Every lady needs a hobby. This Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week, we're reviewing Season 3, Episode 1. Death Defying Feats. My favorite episode of the whole show. Good. I love it so much. <laughs> so I'm obsessed with it. I've watched Jack's speech like 27 times. 27, that's it? I've watched it. <laughs> I've lost count. It's my favorite <laughs> I actually I don't know if this is my favorite episode. That is definitely my favorite scene in the series. But I think I don't know. I don't know if it's my favorite episode. Um, I yeah I don't know why I, I mean I know why I like it so much. Yeah I think it is. My, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Right. Committing favorite episode. Um. Before we get too deep into this, um, I just want to warn you listeners that I just got a kitten, which is very cute. Yes. But also like he's kind of a nuisance, and there's just no silencing him. So apologies in advance for any skittering, crashing, or meowing that you might hear. <laughs> That's not really what he sounds like, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, like, it's got a high little kitten voice. Aww, aww. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you named him yet? Um, No, we just call him the orange boy because he's an orange kitten. Okay, well, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Other housekeeping that I, non-kitten related housekeeping. Um, Miss FisherCon dates are out and tickets are available. It is July 9th through 11th in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I would say unfortunately, but fortunately my brother is getting married this summer, so I'm not sure I will be able to make it, but you should go. Listeners. Yeah, it's a great time. Listeners, you should definitely go. We had a blast last year and maybe we'll be able to make it work this year. We'll see. I just yeah. had a wedding that, you know, like I said, it's a happy thing. It just might prevent me from going to Miss FisherCon. <laughs> yeah, but you know, stay tuned for updates, listeners. Mm-hmm. And, um... You know, if you went to the movie premiere in Palm Springs, we would love to hear about it. So send us a message about that. We weren't there. Um, Genevieve is anti-spoiler. I am not anti-spoiler. So, I mean, just put Uh, it out there. (laughs) No, I'm very anti-spoiler. I do not want to know what happens in the movie until I'm sitting in front of it, watching it unfold before my very eyes. All right. All right. You know, you know what? You're right. I read all the leaked spoilers for like Game of Thrones season seven or whatever. And it was just a huge letdown. I definitely shouldn't have done it. <laughs> because it was spoiled or because it's Game of Thrones? Um, Because it was spoiled. I just didn't enjoy it yeah, as much as yeah. I knew it was going to happen. See, exactly. Exactly. You have to live it, live it yourself. Um, I will say, though, I have been obsessively looking at photos from the premiere. I'm very jealous of everyone who was able to go. So, yes, please tell us about it. And Essie's dress on the red carpet was to die for. Yeah, she looked great. They both did. Yeah. And I was showing Rob photos and I was like, look at Nathan Page. He's power clashing. He has a blue (laughs) vest on with a black suit. And Rob's like, what? I was like, why? Huh. Maybe I should point that out to Dan and see what he says. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I am obsessed and I can't wait to see the movie. Yeah, I really can't wait either. And we're going to have to wait until what, February, I think, is the, the U.S. premiere now. Or is it the world premieres in February? Or, well, the Palm Springs well, is the world premiere. Yeah, but was, it has but, premiered. Yeah. But yes, we're going to, well, no, February is when it'll be in Australian theaters. So I think we might have to wait a little longer. Alas, Australia is just a bit too far for us. Or we could just go to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'm sure my boss will. If you want to start a GoFundMe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Save your money Uh, when we both get more. (laughs) uh, 
Yes. Um, and I guess the last piece of housekeeping maybe is that our season break is over. This is us officially back for season three, our final, the final season of Miss Fisher. Um, so you can look forward to regular episode releases from now on. Back, baby, we're back. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the Christmas special. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch and listen and drink along with us, you should check it out. Yeah. Please tell us how you liked it. Cause we, we thought it was pretty fun. Yes. I had, a, I had a great time. I was actually thinking as we watched, as I watched this one, that I was like, we should do every episode like that, because it's <laughs> fun than watching it by myself and, like, taking notes, so. Yeah. yeah. Plus, we have a lot of indignant prudence in this episode, so I was like, drink! And then I was like, no, we're not playing the game anymore. Well, I kept thinking that, too. She's so indignant. So and, like, about, about more worthwhile things, too. True. Well, I feel like prudence, when she is indignant, is always worth it. Yeah, well, sometimes it's about a Christmas carol, so. (laughs) Yeah, but it was like this psychological trauma in her past. All right. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Um, Related, I am, in a cliche manner, participating in dry January, so I can't really do any drinking games right now anyway, because I'm off the sauce for the month of January. Just a little, you know. That would explain the seltzer. Oh, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Good for you, though. Good for you. I thought about it and then decided against it. I'm also uh, off dessert, so it's been tough. It's been a tough week. <sighs> one, one weekend, three weeks to go. <laughs> Wait, why didn't you save dessert for, like, February? Um, Because that would have been too smart. <laughs> just, just one month at a time here. Yeah. One vice at a time. It's been tough. I have, I did cheat. I cheated, but. Already seven days in. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> it was just one cheat. Okay. Um, all right. Oh, so I think we've already, oh, go ahead. I had one more piece of housekeeping, which is that thank you to the folks who bought merch from us over the holidays. And if you didn't buy yourself an Every Lady Needs a Hobby Christmas gift, you just buy yourself a New Year's gift. We yeah. have merch. You can find New it on Year. our website. New year, new you. New mug, new t-shirt, new tote new bag. bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. We really appreciate it. It helps us offset our hosting costs, which are not insignificant. So check out the merch. And finally, we're feeling loose on season three. We're doing a new format, which will not be quite as scene by scene as the first two seasons. So enjoy and give us feedback. Yeah, let us know how you like it. Um, this will mirror our format for the Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries episodes that we did. So loosey-goosey, but hopefully all the more fun for it. Mm-hmm. All right, should we get into it? Yes. Um, well, as previously established, this is my favorite episode. Um, Can you elaborate on that? Is it the well, circus element? Is it because the circus is named after you? Is this just a selfish, <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, so yeah, first of all, I am Mackenzie, so that's a big draw. Um, and then I just, I love Jack professing his feelings. You know, that's, I just, it, that and the the Roman soldier moment are like my two favorite Jack moments in the whole show, um, for sure. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I love a good circus. Although this is sort of more of like a variety show, like maybe, maybe not variety, but like vaudeville or something. I, I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, it's not really circus so much as it is like magic and other stuff. 
That's true. They do have like a contortionist though, and she's yeah, kind it's more. Of only, yeah, she's the only circus element. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Sid can juggle. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's circusy. I was just practicing my juggling before we got on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, the show is named after you. Are you taking over once? The mighty Mackenzie retires. Um, if you saw a video of my juggling, you wouldn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that the circus troupe that you have joined involves less murder than the circuses that we see at Miss Fisher. Yeah, you know, so far there's been no murder. Um, sometimes we, when practicing our acrobatics, fall on each other, but no one has died. What <laughs> a relief! <laughs> Yeah, no fatalities so far. But I'll keep you posted. Um, yeah, I mean, please do. And please don't get murdered. Maybe we should case. do a murder mystery-themed show, though. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, you definitely should. All right, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that okay. one as well. Please do. Um, also, I want to state, so I know that you felt very strongly about the factory murder being very gruesome. I actually find this one far more gruesome. It is literally a public beheading. Yes, I... I do find this gruesome. It's just, I guess, you know, when, when you're decapitated, I assume that you die immediately. Um, but with the factory machine, it's like I'm picturing myself being crushed. I don't know if it's like a phobia of mine that I would fall into, like, just the maw of, like, a grinding, gnashing machine that would just crush my body painfully. But I think that's why I find that murder gruesome. And this one is just kind of, like, gross, but not as spooky. <laughs> Right. I guess I was thinking more of it for the audience. It's just been a horrifying thing to to witness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of people. I didn't even think about that. Like, that image would stick with you for your whole life. Your whole life. And it's not like, like, I think some of them thought it was part of the act, but it would be in the news. Like, eventually you would find out that it was, she was really, like, literally beheaded in front of you. Yeah. You know, I did have in my notes, like, would it really be like that if someone was decapitated? Like... You know, do you think they, like, watched a video or anything? <laughs> like, I'm just curious. Is that what it's like when someone is guillotined? Probably. I think it's a pretty sharp blade. And then, like, their head just rolls off. Like, I mean, what else would happen? That, like, do you think their face, like, twitches a little bit? Like, you know, like how a chicken will run around after its head's cut off? I feel like I read something about that when they were beheading everyone in the French Revolution. You don't remember? <laughs> but I think your brain still operates for, like, a few, a little, a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> so there's still blood up there you know yeah but maybe not yeah. i don't actually know i'm I'm really just making stuff up so. i'm not sure i want to google it but i probably will anyway anyway <laughs> um, um yeah uh my next note is that i love franny's outfit for her dinner with jack i really like the black dress with a little yeah. capelet there uh, my thoughts on this episode are like they really, maybe they got a bigger budget for season three, or they just really upped their game. Everything looked fantastic. All the costumes were great. I feel like her house looks like it's been spruced up. It was just very, very, um, felt punched up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. It did, like, the, for sure the costumes were just noticeably, like, mm-hmm. stellar in this episode. Like, just mm-hmm. everyone looked like they were wearing new stuff, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Like, at almost every scene, I was like, ooh, I love that. Ooh, I love that. I love this outfit. I love that outfit made it really hard to pick a favorite at the end but yeah and all the circus performers had cool outfits on too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i actually i really loved in the first scene the silver contortionist outfit that she's wearing it has like this little like bra thing with a lot of 
silver on it and a little silvery skirt. Oh, the, the the outfit that the contortionist is wearing? Yeah, yeah. Huh, I don't think I remember that one. I'll have to go back and look. I mean, you briefly see it. It's not really, but I was just like, every scene, I was like, ooh, I like that one and that one and that one. Anyways, oh, yeah. That was the first one that I liked. <laughs> um. So then her father shows up and spoils the date with Jack. Classic. And it's like, when she calls Jack to let him know, why can't she just tell him that her father has unexpectedly dropped by? Like, I mean, I guess that there wouldn't be all this tension in the episode and they need it for that reason. But it's definitely a moment where she could have just been like, dude, I'm so sorry. My asshole father has just dropped by. Can we reschedule? I don't know. I was thinking that, too. I was like, why didn't she just tell him? Like, I get, I think she wanted to avoid because she knew that her father was connected to the circus. And so, but again, why, why, why would she hold that back? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know either. But it does make for some great confusion, great tension. Jack is like pissy the whole episode and like trying to flirt with her and being all cranky. And I love it. So cranky. I love a jealous Jack. And I know that not everyone is into it, but I'm so into it. I, yeah, also just, well, and I feel like he's just, he's ready to put it out there, you know, and he does in this episode. He just lays his feelings on the line and we haven't seen that so yeah. so brazenly yet. So it really is the first time that we see that from him. Yep. And I mean, then we get just, hints uh, of it. We get hints of it in season two. Like he's, he's working up to it, but. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the first time he makes any kind of declaration. And I think I'm a little rusty on season three, but I mean, on the rest of it, but I think it just is basically continues in this vein for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. There's not a, there's not a single episode that isn't just chock full of sexual tension and revelations about Jack, which is why it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then Miss Fisher rushes off to the theater to investigate this murder that Dot has just witnessed. And we get the, what the vegetable scene, uh, which is pretty memorable. <laughs> What kind of vegetable do you think that is? It's a very large cucumber, I think. You think so? It's really huge. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think that they were just trying to do a funny gag here? Or we're supposed to interpret that Jack is trying to send her a signal about, like, I don't know, emasculation or something by handing her the giant phallic vegetable to chop? Um, I think it was a little bit, like, they could have just used another cabbage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was a gag yeah, it was like a gag that would have worked better, I think, if they hadn't just had this little tiff. Like, if they had just been in good spirits, yeah. you know, and he'd yeah. been like, here, take this giant dick cucumber. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit jarring with the, yeah, their exchange before. But I do think it was like, I think it was intentional. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny. And then it's so gross the way it rolls through the blood so graphically. Oh, I, know, I know. See, this is yeah. gruesome murder. It is a gruesome, gruesome affair. Yeah. I also, uh, so I love when Franny arrives at the theater and starts investigating. She just like whips out some tweezers to start cl- like snatching clues with. I didn't know <laughs> like, that. She just like, she just like produces this pair of tweezers and starts like pulling, pulling at clues. I'm like, <laughs> I don't what? think we've seen her do that before, but I loved it. <laughs> what does she snatch with the tweezers? Let's the small see. nail? Yeah. She finds the nail with the tweezers. Yeah. She's like approaching the guillotine and finds the nail with the head filed on. Well, you know, I actually keep a pair of tweezers in my wallet at all times, so. <laughs> in your wallet? 
Yeah, that's because the the light in the bathroom at my office is much better than in my home. And sometimes I notice like maybe a little hair growing on my chin that I just want to pull out. So what can I say? So you're ready if you ever find a clue in the real world. You can just produce the tweezers and yeah. snatch the clue. And I'm, also ready. I'm also ready every time I find a clue that I'm getting old. Getting, <laughs> you know, hair on my chin like an old witch. <laughs> Maybe that's a clue. Maybe you are a witch. <laughs> I think, yep, it's it's likely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the light in our house is really bad, too. And um, more than once I've gone to the office and realized that the outfit that I thought matched perfectly well at home doesn't match at all. It's so bad. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this happens to me. Yeah. Like, I'll just think I look fine when I leave the house, and then I'll arrive at work, and there's this humongous (laughs) full-length mirror, and the lights are so bright, and I just look like an actual train wreck. And I'm like, oh, God, what happened? (laughs) It's so real. I bet this never happens to Kim Kardashian. She probably has, like, one of those specially lit mirrors for, like, optimal selfie taking and, like, a bunch of stylists and shit. Mm -hmm. But you know who does have that? Britney Spears. So we're basically just like Britney Spears. We are just like Britney. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you pointed that out because now I feel better. Good. Yeah. Um. Okay, so Sid, obviously the red herring, I think, lurking around, looking suspicious. Didn't like Pearl. He's kind of cute, though, even though he's suspicious the whole episode. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of cute. And he's like, he's like a petty criminal, but he is cute. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of adds like an element of danger, you know? Yeah. Who doesn't like a petty criminal? <laughs> um, well, you know what? Young petty crim- criminals grow up to be. Old petty criminals? Yeah. It's less attractive than when they're not cute anymore. You're right. You're right. You know what? I didn't think about it that way. (laughs) Or they grow up to be worse criminals. Right, right. um, Um, I love how jealous Jack gets. She's just like doing her thing, which he has seen her do before. But this time he gets all huffy about it. Oh, yeah. When she's flirting with Sid. And she's just trying to get clues out of the guy. I know. Also, he's, well, yeah. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Um. I also noted that Jack at no point offers resistance to Phryne helping with the investigation. At no point. That's true. Much in contrast to Hugh being quite salty about Dot's continual interference. Yeah, Hugh has taken up the mantle of get your little female nose out of this business. (laughs) In fact, he tells her basically to go back to the kitchen in the next scene when he tells her to go get Coco. Yeah, so it's like, all right, Hugh. (laughs) Oh, Come yeah. On. It's not a good look for him. No. No. But he's, uh, you know, he's making his way in the world and trying to figure out the paradox of dating a modern woman, you know? That's true. Is this is this the scene where Dot is observing the contortionist wiping the blood off of the pearls? Is that what she's... I think that's what she's spying on. Yes, it is. It, so for me, I was like, why wouldn't you just take those to the bathroom and rinse Mm-hmm. off did this theater not have indoor plumbing like why would you want to wipe up that mass quantity of blood well it was like her girlfriend yeah but i guess <laughs> i don't know it seems horrible all around for sarah yeah yeah it does seem horrible um so then after that there's the that's really rather a nice tie moment which i've always loved 
I, I put in my notes, sexual tension alert. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think this, like, spouts off a whole, there's, like, a whole bunch of theories about this being Phryne's tie, right? Like, he wears it in, like, certain moments that are significant. Uh, I am not familiar with this theory. but I think it's a Janine P. original theory. Well, then it must be right. I should have done more research on that. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, and then, of course, her father shows up, ruining the moment. Is that, That's what happens next, right? Yes. Sorry. It's <laughs> okay. It's been a long, long day. Um, yes. So then her dad comes up, and this is where I was like, why didn't she just tell Jack it was her father? I know, right? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, maybe she's just angry at him for being jealous because she doesn't think he should be. And so she doesn't reward his behavior with information. Ooh, good theory. Um, I also like her line to her dad where he's like, do you want a drink? And she's like, I don't want a drink. I want an explanation. And I just like, I want to tuck that away in my head <laughs> you know, just in case I ever need it. If someone's like offering me a drink and what I really want is an explanation. Mm. Whip that you, out. You let me know the moment you have an opportunity to whip that line out. Yeah, I'm not sure when that would arise, but it would be, it would be epic if it did. It would be great. It would be great. So keep me posted on that. I will. It might take a few years, but just, you know, stay tuned. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then question. Is this the first episode where we see Mac in full coroner mode? No. Does that, that happens in season two? Yeah. Ugh, what? I don't understand. Like, doctors and coroners aren't interchangeable like why do they just is this just because they don't know what to do with her otherwise no i think i mean because okay in season two we get her like in the the blood of Juan and the mad she's kind of like teaching students using dead bodies you know yeah so i think it's just maybe part of her i don't know maybe that was part of more part of medical training back then yeah maybe but it's like who would give up a job at like a women's hospital to work as a coroner for the city. I don't, well, I don't know. Well, I get the feeling she's maybe doing it on high profile cases because she's kind of a celebrity and, you know, has an (laughs) issue with the police. You think she's a celebrity and not just sort of like a weird lady doctor? I mean, I like to believe that. (laughs) Well, she is, I think she is kind of a celebrity, like well-known in the city and like all the factory ladies like her and she knows Miss Fisher, who is like legitimately a celebrity, sort of. The ladies at the factory do love her. (laughs) Anyway, I think I choose to believe that it's just a plot device, but, uh, you know, or not a plot device, but just a, a good device to get her into the scene without having to like write a plot. I mean, I'm f- I'm always fine with more more Mac, so oh, yeah. I'm not complaining about it. But I'll let you complain about it. That's fine. Well, I'm complaining about it because she has to wear that stupid white coat instead of the usual three-piece suit that I'm accustomed to. True. The three-piece suit is better. It is. Excellent. I just wish, I wish I could pull off a suit like that. I can't do it, though. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, like, perfectly tailored, I think. And that's just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, mm-hmm. that would cost you an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so my next question is after after Miss Fisher stands behind the painting of the naked lady, which like is that like something they put out in the lobby for people to stand behind as a joke? And like I think it must be. <laughs> which is funny because people wouldn't really have had cameras. So they would have just like stood behind it for a laugh, I guess. 
Yeah, just a surprise. I don't know. Yeah. Where do these props all come from? I wish I could. I wish I knew. Like, I want to ask, like, the props department, like, did they buy out some old circus or something? Or, like, what, you know, did they, so. make, did they make them? Like, I there's so much there. Oh, I love the idea of them buying out an old circus and it all being legit. Yeah, that would be super cool. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, wait, we missed. So going back to the morgue, we missed one of my favorite lines in the whole show where Friday says men can't live without him, can't hit him with an axe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Funny because later Jack tries to break her out of that mermaid box with an axe. Oh, I never made that connection. You're right. I mean, I'm not sure it was like intentional, but maybe it's kind of a weird line. It is a weird line. Like, that's not actually a saying. So maybe it is just a clever weaving of the dialogue with the events. It's funny. I kind of, that's a line I want to save and whip out later. <laughs> All right. That, I feel like you might have, you know, more of an opportunity for that line than I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so my note was uh, she finds the nail filings and Jack's like, we're going to test these nail filings to see if they match the nail <laughs> in the like guillotine and I'm like can you can you do that is that a thing like what would match like it turns out they're both metal (laughs) these filings came from a nail like I don't get it (laughs) I had the exact same thought I'm like aren't all nails made of like the same thing yeah I don't I mean if there's a forensics expert out there please tell us um, they never think, come back to this. They never explain whether or not they do, did they? I think maybe he was just trying to intimidate Sid and make him scared that they were going to, like, find him out. I think it was yeah. just, quit, you know, like, trying to seem tough and, like, I'm going to track down your every move. Yeah, all right. That's my well, theory. Um. Okay, so next, uh, Aunt Prudence has a very funny reaction to <laughs> the Baron of Rich... And <laughs> I love how she refuses his hug. Like he goes and he's like, Prudence, it's so good to see you. And she's like, she just kind of like physically pushes him away. <laughs> like, no, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh my gosh. And are we supposed to believe that 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 Prudence is his sister or is she the sister of Franny's mother? I can't remember. I, she's the sister of her mom, I think. Mm, okay. So no wonder she's like, what a deadbeat. <laughs> Um, yeah, because I think we get more of that backstory further on in the season. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Also, so can we talk about Friday's dad for a minute? Because I feel like he's just so, like, boldly, like, that guy that just is just, like, so overconfident. He's just, like, going to get himself out of every situation just with a little, like, smile and a joke. And, oh, it's just, it it was really irritating me when watching this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so irritating. And he's just, like, a, like, a crook kind of and just lying and and imposing and just ignoring everyone's discomfort sort of mm-hmm. he just like bowls into every situation and just sort of like is just totally oblivious now i don't think he's oblivious i think he's doing it on purpose just sort of like well i can get through everything you know just with yeah yeah and it's like so obvious that friday like doesn't want him there and I, yeah but the, and then I'm also like, why does she lend him the money? I don't understand why she keeps lending him money. Yeah, maybe because because she wants the circus to succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe because she wants the circus to like she wants them the the show to go on so that she can solve the murder. Yeah, and I also think she sort of maybe has deep down inside a soft spot for her dad. I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. Family's family. You know, this brings us to the question of. If the theater or if the circus is running out of money, 
who is paying her to solve this murder? She just this is another pro bono case. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who would have been paying her. Like, no one hires her. She just shows up because Dot and Bert and Sass witnessed the murder. Yeah. Um, and this is like the start of a big season for Dot. She's just getting right in there and getting all these clues. I love it. She's great. She's like taking initiative. She's she's all over the place. She's on top of it. I love it. Yeah, and, and she goes just too. like Hugh is realizing that she's better at investigating than he is. Oof, a tough pill to swallow for the young constable. <laughs> Not to take anything with Hugh. He's also good. Good at his job. But yeah. Um, so then this, in this scene, Dot is like snooping around, right? And then, oh, it's the confrontation where Sarah, the contortionist, disappears with the money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Miss Fisher is like, I'm just going to wait her out. She's hiding in here somewhere. Well, but first, so before she, isn't this where someone drops the sword? Sid like drops the sword from above to like scare her. Yes, that happens as well. And I was just thinking, like, well, I, he, he probably wasn't trying to kill her. He's probably just trying to scare her. But I'm like, what a terrible idea. I'm just going to drop a sword on from on someone. <laughs> like, it wouldn't work. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Um, also, like, I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, and we will, of course, come back to the next scene. But um, <laughs> the fact that the contortionist is just in that box all night is ridiculous. <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you said you were going to offer You can't do that. Uh, so I thought, like, this was completely ridiculous and it would just be impossible for her to do that. But I do know some contortionists. <laughs> of course you do. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I asked one, my friend Kylie, I asked for her professional opinion about um, whether or not she thought that would be possible. Uh, and she, her perfect question was, of course, bent in half forwards or backwards, because I said bent in half. Um, so forwards is a, a pike, we would call that. Um, uh-huh. And she said you would probably make your legs go numb, but you'd be able to breathe at least. Still a bad idea. Just like <laughs> leaving the crime lol. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I think we could have all guessed that it would be like uncomfortable to just be in the same position in the box all night. But she could breathe, so yeah. But like, well, I, I, because when you do like intense backbending, it's you, it's like hard to breathe. They, they call it like you have to like breathe through your straw, like because it's kind of like I don't know exactly why, like the constrictor your airway or whatever, but it you have to like learn to breathe in those positions, but not when you're forward bending. Okay. <laughs> Still um, ludicrous, yeah. ludicrous yeah. to think that she'd it's stay ludicrous. there. And then when they open the box, she's like wiggling her feet, and they would just have absolutely been completely asleep. <laughs> right? Also, I mean, why did she hide? I don't understand why she hid in the trunk. And who clasped the latches? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they clasped from the inside. On a trunk? What kind of trunk has clasps that latch from the inside? I don't know. Well, I guess maybe one at a a magic show, if you were using it for, like, a trick or something. Yeah, well, I mean, a a contortionist box is, like, a common thing, I think, for... Oh, okay. Um, Although, I've seen them, like, where they're clear, so you can see the person inside, mm -hmm, all squished mm up. But I, I guess that would defeat the purpose of this plot device, where she's... Hiding. Hiding in it, yeah. Who knows? Huh. Well, it really works well for the plot and provides a setup for, you know, the best scene. So, yeah. Also, it's funny that they didn't just get a real contortionist. It's like clearly staged. Like those are just probably someone else's mm-hmm. legs. <laughs> I know. I thought that too. I was like, hey, that that looks like at the wrong angle. If you were like, they're like, I don't know. It, it seems impossible. Like they're 
her feet are like on her shoulders. But if you were yeah. bent in half, your feet would be above your head. Well, I don't think so. Cause like it, you bend sort of from the waist if you're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And so it makes you like you're, otherwise if you're, anyway, I, I can't really explain it, but like, well, I have my video turned off, so I can't also demonstrate. And this is a podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't be any good. Like it wouldn't yeah, be very useful. <laughs> In order to get to that level of flexibility, like when you when you bend over forward, you're probably getting most of the way there by rounding your back, which makes mm-hmm. you like your torso isn't going to reach as far towards the ground. But when you work on that kind of flexibility, you are trying to get as far as you can over without rounding your back. So your back stays flat, which means that you don't lose that length by rounding. So that I mean, I don't I don't know. I couldn't say for sure, but. But your legs are still longer than your torso. True. That's true. Like, even if you're just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, though. Like, I'm not very flexible. Also, I'm moving away from my microphone because I'm trying to bend myself in half. <laughs> but <laughs> Listeners, let the record show that Genevieve was just trying to recreate this feat. <laughs> Unsuccessfully, I'll note. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm rounding my, like, I can feel it. I'm rounding my back. And so then I'm losing all that. But how would you? Oh, that just seems impossible. I mean, I know people can do it, but. Anyway, let's get back to the most important thing, which is Jack's date interrupted and his big speech. I just, when I first watched the show, I was so obsessed with this scene. And I, like, I, I mean, I know why, but it's also just like, I don't know, just really resonates with me. Like, you know, like he's there for it. He wants to be there for it, but he also knows himself and he knows that he's not, you know, he's in it for the long run. Yeah, exactly. He's not there and, to just, you know, have a little fling during an investigation. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's also like I've I've seen some other criticism of this speech where, like, it's not a good look. People saying it's not a good look for him to be so jealous and to try to, like, change her or imply that she should change her lifestyle. But I think also, you know, she's been quite rude. Like she's, you can't just invite someone over for dinner and then say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having another man over instead. It's one thing to say like, you know, I don't want to like just date you. I'm interested in dating lots of people. And, but you can't just be like rudely standing people up. (laughs) So, right. Right. So I think he's, and I think he wants to make sure that he's not taken for granted by her. Yeah, and he's letting her know where he stands on the matter. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just like, like, I don't know. I kind of appreciate that he's, you know, not to be a stick in the mud or whatever. I know I've ranted on this podcast before about how I think there's too much sex on TV. So you can take this as, as you will. But I kind of appreciate that he's like, you know, like, hey, look, I, and he even says, like, I'm not as a liberal-minded man as, like, I would want to be for you. Like, like, he's almost like, I could, I want to be what you want me to be, but also I'm just like, I'm not like that. I'm, you know, a guy who was married and really tried to make it work, and then it didn't, and now I'm available, but that doesn't mean I'm just gonna, like, you know, be like the you know, fugitive anarchists and yeah, and I think he's, I think he's saying like, I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm serious. I'm not, this isn't just a fling. Yeah. And like, I want you for myself. I don't know. That's kind of sexy. Like, yeah. Like I know you can get other men and that's fine, but I want you to know that like, I want you for myself. Yeah. And I think personally, I think jealousy can be very sexy. I think, you know, obviously like abusive jealousy is bad. 
But just like a tiny bit, you know, I'm into that. I'm into that. <laughs> well, I don't think he's trying to stop her from doing it. Yeah, exactly. He's just saying, like, if this is how it's going to be, then I'm out, which is fine. Yeah. That's a fine stance to take, I think. Exactly. But yeah. he knew it had to be said, and he said it. Um, And so then I would also just, you know, if you don't object, I'd like to just break down the speech a little bit. Um, please, And just, please. so French artists, that's Renee. Yep. I actually do think this part, I do think is a little unfair for him to bring that up, bring back up her abusive former lover, Renee. The yeah. French artist. No, that's that's not cool. They should have picked someone else. Yes. And there were plenty to choose from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's French artists, uh, Russian anarchists. But was he actually Latvian? Well, that was Peter the Painter. Yeah, he's Latvian. Okay, well, we'll give him this, that this one. Is, I think he says fugitive anarchist. Yeah, he, you're right. He does say fugitive anarchist. And, oh, and then does he say Russian clairvoyance? Yes. And this is where he's incorrect. Yes. Because, because he's the clairvoyant a, was not Russian. The the dancer was Russian. Yes. Well, I think the, the, he was a clairvoyant was the assistant to a Russian woman. Yeah, but I thought he was Australian. Oh, yeah, I think so. But maybe that's why he's saying Russian, because the clairvoyant yeah. herself was Russian. Or at least pretending to be. Yeah, who knows what her actual deal was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And then tango dancers. Or should I say tango dancers? So that's uh, a callback all the way to the pilot. Well, no, because as uh, learned, they were dancing the bolero. I think he's talking about the tango dancer, Juan Carlos dance. or whatever. He's her like kind of a instructor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Did Jack know about him? Probably. <laughs> um. But I think I think he's sort of mushing some of them together too. So it might be a reference to Sasha and the. Or wait, was that, was he a salsa instructor? The dance instructor? Yeah. Well, he taught her all kinds of dances, like a fan dance. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. We should do a roundup sometime where we, we list off all of Farney's conquests, you know? Quite a few. Movie gladiators and uh, wrestling champions, or boxing champions. and um, Flying aviators. but yes you know what i mean vic vic which let us never forget at miss FisherCon when the crowd started chanting for vic wait i don't remember that you remember that when was that it was during our poll results when we hadn't put vic in there and then a bunch of writing a bunch of people had written in vic and so we were going through the write-in votes and people started chanting for vic oh yeah okay yeah that that's valid that's valid but I don't know if Jack knew about him. Yeah, not at that point. But yeah. he'll find out next week. <laughs> uh, and then men who wear damned cravats, that's her father. <laughs> men who, who, who wear damned cravats. <laughs> um, I need to know what's in that nerve tonic. Oh, I do. I was so confused by this nerve tonic. Also, it's this tiny little bottle, and her dad is pouring like a third of it out every time. You must be going through that. No wonder where all his money goes. Yeah, he probably is spending it all on what I assume is like, you know, opium, probably. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was when he was glugging it into the glass, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, it looks like sludge. 
Yeah, so gross. And then when he's like, I put enough nerve tonic in this cognac to down a horse. And it's like, why why would you ruin your cognac by putting that disgusting <laughs> nerve tonic in it? Ick. Oh, and like, there's got to be a way to ma- better mask the nerve tonic. Yeah. But I don't or know. Just, he need what what her dad needs. Oh, no, that was that was cocaine. Opposite effect. I was like, <laughs> he needs some of those little pink powders. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, the nerves. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, do you, so I had Dan come in and watch this scene because uh, I was like, this is the best scene in the whole show. And he loved it. Um, oh, but then at the end, right before he gets hit by the door, Dan's like, oh, she's about to kiss him. And I'm like, is she, though? I don't, I don't think that's that's what's about to happen. No, I think she was about to, exp- like, continue the conversation. Yeah, she was going to try and explain. Yes. And then he gets the whack. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. so good so then subsequently i think that's when the contortionist comes in in the box when bird and sus carry the box in well no it's in the morning so then we get him (laughs) well i think that happens before he emerges unkempt right or maybe my notes no. are just out of order. Yeah. Yeah, because um. Oh well, that's when she sneezes. Yeah, yeah. We see the contortionist before we see him in bed. Um. Yes, you're right. Yeah. But they're like transporting her to the house when um we we see Jack waking up. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Jack unkempt. That's I just oh. put in my notes. Jack unkempt. Ah, in all caps. <laughs> Disheveled Jack. Ugh, his Disheveled hair. Disheveled hung over from whatever's oh in that nerve tonic. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. And then when he, just the look on his face when he like realizes he's in her bedroom. Oh my goodness. And well, I don't think it's her bedroom, is it? It's just a guest room. I don't room. know. I recognize that painting oh. on the wall to the left of the bed. But she has a purple bed cover. Mm. And different. yeah, I think it's a guest room. And the walls are different. Like the wallpaper is different. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's a guest room. All right. <laughs> and I love in this scene. Where, I mean, I just love this scene. But when Miss when Mr. B comes in, it's like I've pressed your suit, and he just like Jack just raises like one finger. <laughs> and he like pulls the covers up like yeah. over his chin. Oh my god! Like God forbid, Mr. Butler should see him undress. <laughs> oh my god. downstairs and when friday's like i see you've met my father and then he's like father (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh it's so funny i love it so much and then when she's like when she's like yes an officer of the law and her father's just like i think i'll have another omelet (laughs) he's like inspector (laughs) goodbye Uh, oh it's so good <laughs> everything about it also i've watched it so many times i just have the whole thing memorized so i can just like <laughs> it's so great yeah um and then the bit at the door where he's so angry and she's like jack um and we've we've discussed this in the past where i mean it's so funny when he says who put me in pajamas oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but then when she says mr butler of course after I undressed you. Like, if she did undress him, that would have been inappropriate and a violation of trust. But I don't think she actually did. I think she was teasing him. That's yeah. my theory. I don't think she actually did. I think Yeah. I'll choose to believe that as well. Maybe she put his took his shoes off. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a big deal because we never so much as like see him in his shirt sleeves. Like he never takes that jacket off, you know? I know. There's like one like promo photo floating around of him with the jacket off and it's like kind of Oh, I know. And it turned out it was just like really hot on the set, so he took it off in between takes or something. Is what I read. Oh, but it's so but in the in photos from the movie, we have him in like a very relaxed like linen top with the suspenders. So Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> to be fair, we do get to see him in that bathing costume, but well, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, but it's like not that exciting. Yeah. Put him in that saggy one. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, you know what? You're right. I was confused that this is where Bert and Sess bring her in yeah. and she's in her box. Yep. Okay. Jack also, like, leave, but. did Bert and Sess not find it suspicious that they arrive at the house in the morning and Jack is there? Oh, yeah. But they're probably just like, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone assumes that it's already happening, I think, actually. Yeah, exactly. Your, like, Aunt Prudence is always calling him your inspector, you know? She's oh. been doing that for, like, since the first season. Um, right. Oh, so then when, when Franny's like, you are intimate friends in the sapphic sense. I feel like she's being a little aggressive, but I guess she did suspect suspect her of murder yeah i mean it's not a very delicate way of putting it is it no also like i feel like this this would have been this could have been a case for dr mac you know she could have handled this more delicately instead she's stuck in the morgue being like yep looks like her head was chopped off (laughs) according to my calculations she died of decapitation (laughs) oh yeah this would have been a perfect scene for dr mac to have been present yeah missed opportunity yeah Dr. Mac could have been picking up on, like, secret lesbian codes that Miss Fisher wasn't familiar with, you know, some kind of handkerchief signal or something. I don't know. Is, is that how it works? Uh, no, that's gay men. <laughs> so you're saying there could have been a secret handkerchief clue. Yeah, or just, like, Mac could have been, like, oh, yeah, some sort of code word I heard her using. Like, those two were definitely dating. I don't know. Just would have been a better use of Mac than as the... Yes. Cor- unnecessary corner. I felt like Franny was being a little too aggressive with Sarah about her murdered lover. Yeah, well, Franny's never particularly sensitive about that, is she? No. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then Franny and Dot run back to the theater um, where we get more cool shots of like weird props and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we learn about Millie, who is Eva's twin sister. And was married to Mackenzie and who died during the Miraculous Mermaid show 10 years ago. Dun, dun. <laughs> um, and I think it's funny that Mr. Mackenzie is like, I'd like to confess to manslaughter. Like, who confesses to manslaughter? <laughs> well, I think you he know? Re- like, he didn't intend for her to die. Yeah, yeah. He but you think he'd just like- be like, accidental murder. Like, it's like being like, oh, I'd like to confess to petty larceny you know (laughs) i don't know but maybe he's agonized over all these years and like really researched like if he confesses what will he be convicted of and he knows it's manslaughter yeah who knows um so then i think it's it's also funny the way uh dot's palm is read by ava (laughs) 
who then drops the obvious clue, like, on purpose, of course. Oh, yeah, she's like, you're so detail-oriented, which is literally what anyone says to you when they want you to do the shittiest task ever. And they're like, oh, you know what? You know what I really like about working with you, Genevieve, is that you're really detail-oriented. So can you spend 10 hours untangling this credit card receipt? (laughs) (laughs) This is hypothetical, of course. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that because I agreed with you wholeheartedly until I became a software engineer where I would say to someone, oh, you're very detail-oriented. You should learn to code. But that's different than saying you should take on this onerous task that no one else wants to do. Yeah, yeah. That's um, like or- a good way. Of, I mean, technically, that's what Eva is doing to Don. Yeah. Saying, you're very detail-oriented. You should... Take this red herring I'm going to drop on the floor. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It's like, oh, gosh, not just anyone would notice me just conspicuously dropping a letter. Only someone as detail-oriented and skilled as you would notice it. (laughs) But whatever. You know what? Dot falls for the red herring, but follows the investigation through to the end and gets to the bottom of it. So good for her. She does. Yeah, she does. Yeah. It does take her a long time to pick that lock later, though. <laughs> she yeah. starts picking it when it is light outside, and she finishes when it is dark. Oh, <laughs> well, everyone's got to start somewhere. I know. I was proud of her nonetheless. <laughs> also, like, who picks a lock in broad daylight? That seems like a just a recipe for getting caught. Well, it was the door was kind of down a little bit. Did you notice that? It was, like, kind of, I think it was a little bit hidden from the Oh, street. okay. So she was in a little alcove. Yeah. Right. Um... So then the next thing I have, I did some research. So Phryne goes back to the theater and convinces Mackenzie to let her perform her unvetted, totally random stranger to perform the uh, Miraculous Mermaid. And she says, I studied the Houdini water torture cell under the Great Levante. So I looked these things up. Okay. So um, let me pull it up. The Chinese water torture cell was one of Houdini's, like, signature things. And the way it worked is that his magicians, the magician's feet are locked in stocks. Next, he is suspended in midair from his ankles with a restraint brace. Finally, he is lowered into a glass tank overflowing with water, and the restraint is locked to the top of the cell. So it's similar, although she, like, he was lowered into it head down, like, with his <laughs> hanging by his feet. Um, where she's lowered in with feet first. So it's a little different, but. Interesting. And then on Wikipedia, there's this whole story about his cell, like the the water cell, the water torture cell that Houdini used and how he told his brother to burn it after he died. (laughs) But his brother gave it to a collector and it remained in this museum basement. Um, Or no, it it remained in this random guy's basement and then it was put on display in the Houdini Magical Hall of Fame. And then they neglected it. At one point, put a fish tank inside of it. (laughs) And then it got all moldy and damaged. And then the museum burned to the ground. (laughs) And then the metal frame survived and was restored by this guy who sold it to David Copperfield. So now it resides as part of his massive private magic collection. Whoa, what a saga. Exactly. So two questions arising from that. Number one, they put fish inside of the tank? That is what it says. 
they put a fish tank inside of the cell to achieve an aquarium effect. So I got the feeling that there was a fish tank, like, not that they were using it as a fish tank, but that they put a fish tank inside. It was inside, okay. Yeah, like a separate tank. Okay. Follow-up question. Did they study the tank to figure out the secret of how he escaped from it? Well... Probably I don't not. know that Wikipedia has that detail. It talks about other people who have done similar things. Yeah, it, I mean, my research extended to Wikipedia, so... <laughs> also, this is an article that needs additional citations for verification, so take that as you will. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that reminds me of something that I wanted to research and forgot to, which... I, I mean, basically, it doesn't really need to be researched, but do you remember a few weeks ago, or maybe it was earlier this year, um, where an Indian magician was trying to do, like, an escape, a water escape stunt in a river, and he died, he drowned. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was um, Indian magician Chanchal Lahiri uh, attempting, uh, like, a Houdini trick, uh, lowered into a river while shackled. In a bid to recreate Harry Houdini's world-famous trick, has drowned, police police say. Wow, that must be the trick that, that he's doing, because it's, yeah, wow. Yeah, it was well, meant that's... to escape and swim to safety, but did not emerge from the river. Maybe someone murdered him. His body washed up one kilometer from the site of the incident. Yeah. Yeah, he was lowered feet first, and he's all, like, tied up. So that's, that's exactly pretty... what someone needs to investigate. Um, well, I think they did investigate. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, wow. that's pretty crazy. I'd love to know more details on that. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I had not heard about that. Yeah. But yeah, it seems but, like it'd be really easy to drown if you were shackled and submerged in water. Yeah, especially a river. Like, if you're mm-hmm. in a water tank, it's like, okay, you could be retrieved from the water tank by bystanders but if you're blowered into a river nobody knows what you're doing down there yeah just seems really dangerous yeah obviously Ugh, i wouldn't do it no sir no definitely not <clears throat> also like at what point did franny study this water torture trick and if is she lying i think she might so i looked up the great levante too and that was a real person he was um like the great one of the greatest magicians from Australia. He's Australia's most famous magician. And I just don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe. But then, okay, so she, like, rehearses in the swimming pool, and she's rehearsing, like, what, getting handcuffs off underwater? Like, she she couldn't have really rehearsed this trick. <laughs> I think she, so, Rob walked in while I was watching this, and he was like, that is a long time to hold your breath. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but she practiced all afternoon. I think she was practicing holding her breath for a really long time. Okay. Well, I feel like that takes more than one day, but... <laughs> well but maybe she studied it under the great levante that's true also i think it's ridiculous that she did not rehearse it in the actual tank even one time <laughs> and, is, then, and also why did Mackenzie insist that she do that i know and she then was so worried more, about it like another thing is if she was actually in prudence's pool all afternoon then she rolls up to the theater looking completely composed like she looks exactly as she did in the previous scene or <laughs> she went to the pool hair done completely made up same outfit which i mean after holding your breath underwater like all afternoon i feel like no <laughs> exhausted yeah and you, she'd probably be like red in the face and like 
hair would be all frizzy. Like, I don't care if you have Dot to do your makeup. There's just no hiding that. <laughs> also, Dot was busy investigating. She yeah. was like, at the police station and then, you know, stealing the letter and going off to break into that lady's house. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um. Also, I, I noted that I love the hat that Dot wears throughout the episode. And I love her jacket. She looks fantastic in this episode. She looks great. And she's just come so far. She's doing her own break-ins now, which is crazy. I mean, it's a big deal. It is. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Hugh is not. <laughs> he's Again, he's just, you know, he's processing it all. Yeah, I guess. He's um, realizing so- that, yeah, she's not going to be maybe the wife he imagined all his life. Yeah, she's modern woman. Um, so then we return to the circus where uh, I guess there's a bit of a, you know, a conspicuous scene where Mighty Mackenzie has her practice getting the like special nail out of her hair turban. And Eva's being so helpful, like, I'll just tuck it in there for you. <laughs> Ugh. Like, <laughs> what, what if it just like floated? Like, what if it floated out from under her turban? Like, it just seems like it could wash away easily. And then could she reach it? I guess I guess she's not tied to anything. Yeah, because I think her hands are shackled and maybe her feet are shackled. Yeah. Um, yeah, it all seems a little bit hazy how that actually happens. Yeah. Also, like, I have, I have just a complete and total lack of understanding of both mechanisms. One, the guillotine, and two, the tank. I don't understand how they were supposed to work, and I don't understand how the sabotage worked. <laughs> It makes no sense to me. Maybe you'll cover that in your murder recap. I don't know. <laughs> um. Well, so the guillotine. I think it's like it's like the trick knife in the in the Bride of Babylon episode, where like the blade sort of like it's falling, 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 and then instead of instead of going all the way down, it like slides up behind a like fake blade. Okay. So then a fake blade drops instead. No, no, no. It's just because, like, the head is in the circle. Oh, so you can't see it. And so it stops the blade before it goes through the circle. But there's, like, a front piece, so you can't see it. So it's like you're you're seeing it fall. And then when it gets to the circle, it just, like, contracts up because it's hitting this nail that's in there. But then if you file the nail off, it just slides past the nail. Okay. But so she, the way she explains it is she's like, so you just pull out this nail and then it doesn't work. Oh, wait, but, yeah. So it's backwards. It's backwards to me. But what would the nail... So maybe there's a second nail. I don't know. Maybe, listeners, if you know the answer, <laughs> let well, us I know. I thought I had it all figured out. But then, yeah, she says, she explains it differently. Huh. And then with the water tank... Oh, wait, no, like, no, no. The second nail holds it in place. So then if you remove okay. that, when it hits the first nail, it slides up. Whereas when they do it for the vegetables, they have the other nail in. I don't know. Now I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Maybe it doesn't make sense. It makes sense in my head somehow. Please, please write to us listeners if you understand. Please send us a diagram. <laughs> yes, we need a diagram. Okay, so then related, I don't understand what the hole in the box is for the, the water tank. It's like I assumed that like the trick hinges means that it just lifts to open on the other side because there's no pins in those hinges. I thought that the the little pin they give her is to unlock the padlocks on her wrist mm-hmm. and then she just lifts the hinges. So then what is what's with the hole drilled in the back of the box that 
um, Ava sticks the pin into. Maybe it's an air hole. An air hole. Maybe. That's a theory. But wouldn't water just spill out of it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have a lot of questions. And also, it's like, when she's in that tank, it kind of looks like there's a, like, it's not full to the brim. Like, there's a little bit of air at the top where she could, like, get her mouth up there and, like, breathe the air, maybe. But so maybe that's what the hole is. It sort of, like, lets air come in and out so that you could, like, actually breathe in there. Yeah, maybe. But when the pl- hole is plugged, then you get don't get any new air and you suffocate because it becomes carbon dioxide. Mm. Okay. Which is what we're doing to the planet. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and soon oh. we will no longer be able to breathe. Oh, God. Iran Doom. just launched strikes. I can't handle any bad news, Genevieve. Doom. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. And what this episode is really about is climate change. Oh, man. <laughs> False. No. <laughs> about a murder. Um, okay, so additional note. Um, I'm not surprised that the circus is going out of business because they have six dancers to introduce this mermaid act. Like, who's paying <laughs> these dancers? Could they have had one dancer, maybe two? Do they need six dancers? But that is what Bert and Seth seem to enjoy the most about the show. Like, they're there for it. And they yeah. say, you're this is better than, or J.C. Williamson has nothing on you, which I looked up, and he was like a famous uh, theatrical manager in Australia. But he, he was American originally. He was an American actor who became Australia's foremost theatrical manager. But my quibble with this is that he died in 1913, which was like 15 years before the show is taking place. Mm, you're right. So I looked it up, too, and I also noticed that he died in 1913. And I was also like, what, did he direct, like, burlesque shows or, like, what? They just thought, like, oh, this is better than a movie I saw that was managed by this guy or whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I got the feeling he put on productions. Yeah, I guess so. Also, was that dancing that good? I guess they were yeah. scantily clad. They were scantily clad. And then Miss Fisher comes down quite scantily clad for the era. Although I didn't like her mermaid costume. Yeah, I didn't love it either. It was okay. I liked all the body glitter she was wearing. But yeah, no. she did have a lot of body glitter on, didn't she? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, circus does generally involve a lot of glitter. Like, you can't... This The studio's just always got glitter all over the floor and stuff. Why? Well, because people put it on for their acts, you know? Like, they put <laughs> glitter all over their bodies. Like, you should have seen us getting ready for that student show. Someone had glitter spray, and she was just spraying it on us. Like a, yeah, like a hairspray that contained glitter. That sounds horrifying. Yeah, I don't know. I let her spray it all over me. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like you, you say the word glitter spray, and I just feel like it's the end times. Yeah, well, maybe it was more of like a shimmer spray, I guess. It was you know, anyway. <laughs> And it is the end times because of climate change. Stop. I can't. <laughs> um, to return to the plot of the show. <laughs> Which is I have about climate that... change. <laughs> oh, gosh. They don't even know what's going to hit them. They still have got World War II to live through. No. Like, there's a lot that's going to happen before Australia catches on fire here. It's like, the like 100 Depression. years. Yeah, that's true. Oh, no. oh uh, now I'm thinking about... Oh, you're right. I never should have started talking about climate change. So, <laughs> just to return to unreality here. 
Um, at this point, I noted that I still thought that the contortionist did it, and I couldn't remember why the twin did it. I was like, what is her motive? And really honestly, immediately that she was the murderer. Ugh, I just don't think her motive makes very much sense. No. So, I don't know. Um, what I noticed in the scene is that before Friday goes in, I, I guess we're jumping back, but the ventriloquist is standing in the in the backstage, still holding his dummy up. And I found it so creepy. And then I thought maybe he was really the murderer and Eva was set up because that ventriloquist is creepy. Oh, my gosh. I missed that. He's just standing back there with all the crew. And he's just holding his ventriloquist dummy. Do you think he's like a real ventriloquist? Like, because he wasn't very good. I don't know. I didn't think about it. I was wondering if like he... um. If he was like some, you know, minor ventriloquist that like tours Australia or something, and that's why they cast him because he doesn't really act, you know, he just does his bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Well, my theory is that he was the murderer. So. Yeah. Well, maybe you're right. <laughs> you know what I think? I think the doll did it. The dummy. <gasps> yeah. That makes way more sense. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Um. So then four minutes pass. She makes it out of there with hairpins that she mysteriously put in her bra just in case. Yeah, you always have a backup. I guess so. If you're Friday. Yeah, she probably had the tweezers in there, too. Okay, probably she's funny. got like a whole, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, she would be the person at the office who you would ask every time you needed like a sweater, a tampon, a hair tie, a, like a emergency packet. She would be the one that had it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But she probably would be like never at work. She would just be never there. Yeah, she's not an office job type of person. I don't know. She'd be, like, working off-site or traveling or, you know, on vacation to Morocco. <laughs> Why can't our life be like Franny's? I know. Um, I love that. So, okay. I'm jumping ahead. She's in there for four minutes, which Rob was, was came in when I was watching this part. He's like, that is a long time to be underwater. I already said that. But anyways, she makes it and she gets out right as Jack is about to axe the thing, which I was like, is the axe really the most effective? Why wouldn't you just unlock those padlocks and lift the top off? Yeah, or just strike the padlocks off with the axe. Or, or open the trick hinges. Open the trick hinges. Yeah, why didn't Mighty McKenzie do that? I mean, Jack, understandably, wouldn't have known about the trick hinges, but... Yeah, it seems... Like, no wonder... This is terrible. No wonder the first wife died. Like, why didn't he save her? Also, she... Here's my quibble with this. She's behind a curtain. She could literally... They could just, like, have someone sneak in there and unlock it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's not that dangerous. It's behind a curtain. If it wasn't behind the curtain, that would be one thing. But But yeah, it's behind a curtain. She could have done anything. They could have just... Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. Um, so then it's like they're about to have their big dinner date and cock blocked by the Baron of Richmond once again. Once again. Oh, what I was going to say before is that I love that Dot trips Evo and she's trying to run away. I feel oh like my Dot, gosh. Dot is MVP this episode. MVP. Yes. And then she's like, good teamwork, Hugh. And he just does not have like, it. I'm a big baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. And then there's the big confession scene with Ava, yes. and she's got her little fringy headband on, which is cool. But her whole motive is that she's, like, sick of not being in the spotlight because she has asthma. Like, get over it. Wow. I don't know. She wants to murder Miss Fisher just because Miss Fisher isn't, like, the starring in the show? Well, I think maybe she's just, like, kind of psychotic. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think she wanted to ruin Mackenzie for ignoring her and favoring Pearl. 
Yeah, it's a it's a little. See, I think this is why this isn't my favorite episode because I just like I feel like the murder motive is a little weak, and then it's just like, oh okay. I mean, it often is. Like the last the last episode, the Christmas in July. It's like, why did you decide to murder all these other people for my own amusement? Like it's fucking stupid. It's so ridiculous. But don't you think like serial killers like I don't know? Tell like they have some sort of like. Although usually serial killers are killing people they don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, then we get the cock blocking scene. I put in my notes, and now for actual dinner? And it's like, no, no. Nope. We don't get, dad comes in again, and we don't get to see the dinner date. I presume it happens, but we are robbed. We've been robbed. I mean, we've been robbed for two seasons, so it's like not a surprise. (sighs) All right. Well, that wraps us up. Would you like yeah. to do the murder recap? Um, well, Eva was mad at her sister because she got all the attention, so she murdered her and to finally get out of her shadow. But that didn't work, really. And Pearl shows up, starts asking too many questions when they talk about reviving um, the miraculous mermaid trick. And so Pearl gets killed, too, um, by the trick guillotine being tampered with. And Eva almost successfully, I'll note, frames Sid for this because she has him set up the guillotine, even though she has sabotaged it earlier, but he doesn't know it's been sabotaged. So she almost frames him for it and almost gets away with the murder of Millie, too, because she pretends to be Millie. And that's a total red herring, but it almost works. She's very clever. You can give her that. You can say the motive doesn't make sense, but she's very clever. And then she tries to kill Miss Fisher, too, because Miss Fisher is sniffing around and onto her, onto her murders. Yeah. And I mean, I think that uh, she would have gotten pretty easily caught for that. You know, like, wouldn't someone in the audience have seen her snatch that pin out of Miss Fisher's hair? Well, I think that happened backstage or behind the curtain. No. It, I well maybe I, I don't know I think that the curtain wasn't down when she did it. Oh. I don't know. I don't but know. But I think it would have been like, well, this was an amateur. Like, oops, it's cursed. The thing is cursed, and then Mackenzie would have confessed to. I don't know. She always got away with it, and really, it was thanks to Dot that she didn't. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if she would have made it all the way out of the theater. There were lots of people in the way. That's true. Rose, yes. Dot. Dot sniffed out the false Millie, which is what led them to suspect Eva. That's true. Yeah. Dot really led the day on this one. Yep, she did. So, so yeah, it's a pretty pretty straightforward murder recap besides um, it being kind of a thin motive. But, yeah, the total red herring was Sid, who was trying to be framed, but was also conveniently a petty criminal. Thus, the lesson goes, if you're going to frame someone for murder, make sure they also have, you know, a criminal past. Yeah. That's yeah. my big takeaway from this episode. I think it's a really good one, actually. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. Life lessons, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Okay, so rankings. What was your worst outfit of the week? I put Friday's mermaid suit. I really didn't like it. I felt like it was it was a lot of a lot of scales in front that didn't need to be there. So you wanted it to be skimpier. Well, no. I think here's what I would envision. I would envision more on the legs because like mermaids have a tail. Like if you're supposed to look like a mermaid, like I'm envisioning like shimmery bodysuit on the legs. Like they wouldn't have to be like a mermaid tail, but just like shimmery pants. Yeah. Like more of an aerial situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I put, uh, I said Max coroner outfit just cause I really want her back in tweed. 
and yes. have that stupid white lab coat. Tweed or velvet. I love her velvet, like, party jacket. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about best outfit? Um, for best outfit, I think I'm going to have to go with the first um, the first dinner dress that Franny has on, mm-hmm. the black dress with a little capelet. Yes. Um, I did go with the silver contortionist outfit from the beginning because I was very captivated by it. So I'm going to have to go back and see that. Yeah, you will. You're probably going to hate it. We'll <laughs> <laughs> see. Um, what about best week? Um, best week dot for sure. Yep. Yeah. That's what I had. Yeah. MVP. Yeah. She's, you know, she's really, she, I feel like she has more confidence. She's taking initiative. She deserves a raise. That's what I say. Yeah, I think she does. I wonder how much she's getting paid. Whatever it is. Friday needs to double it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if she still has to like pick up the dry cleaning and whatnot, you know, or if she's just full-time investigator now. I hope she's full-time investigator. Yeah, I hope so too. Also, don't Bert and Sess pick up the dry cleaning? Probably, yeah. They drop off the laundry. Yeah, that's that's their... uh, I love... (laughs) This is going back a little bit, but where um, Bert and Sess come upon Friday at her stakeout of the contortionist. And they're like, where's the Baron? He's given us the slip. And she's like, don't like, don't worry about him. I've got a paying job for you. <laughs> and then how does she get home? Does she just take some other cab? She must. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyways, well, worst, who did you think had the worst week? I put Jack. He's being foiled every turn. And it's just like cranky the whole episode. And I love it. But like, he's just seems frustrated the whole time. And he has being frustrated. Yeah. Every turn. Yeah. I mean, it's I almost wanted to say Miss Fisher because like her d- degenerate father shows up and just cock blocks her at every turn. And also like her, you know, long anticipated dinner date keeps getting interrupted. But she just accepts. Oh, and then also she almost drowns. But she just accepts it all with like a good attitude. And then there's Jack, who I mean, ha- has all of those things happen to him except for the drowning. But he does get whacked on the head. So, and he takes it a lot less well. So, I guess I'm going to go with Jack. Yeah, well, and Franny could have avoided all of this by just telling him what was going on. But instead, she just makes things more, like, mysterious. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a little mystery, I guess. She's just, she's overusing that tactic. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Skill of the week. Skill of the week. I mean, where to start? This is much like the last circus episode where she was just like, oh, my God, I can do all this stuff. Um, <laughs> I guess I, you know, she had to practice and learn the water act, which was, is sort of more realistic that she practiced that. So I'm going to go with just like all her other knowledge, like the fact that she knew how the guillotine worked, for example. Yeah, I put magic tricks generally. Specifically, I'm thinking of, okay, when she's flirting with Sid and he like does the little magic trick with the scarf and then she just like turns the scarf into a pole. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how did she know how to do that? That's what I was thinking of, too. Yeah, just, like, general magic knowledge. Yeah. Um, All right, murder method. Um, Murder method, I mean, 10, you know? You guillotine someone on stage, and then you try to drown someone else in a tank. Like, that's gruesome and bold. And I put, yeah, I put nine only because the spider will remain the pinnacle. And to me, that's a 10. And this isn't, as, it's not as, it's not the same. Oh, yeah. Well, see, you remain loyal to the scale, whereas I just, I venture off into the, like, dozens when it comes oh, to this. Man, I can't wait to find out what you rank the spider now. <laughs> well, I can't wait to find out either because I haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, if the scale is out the window. 
You're right. Yeah. It makes it well, you keep me grounded and well. I'm you you provide real values and I'm I provide comic relief, I guess. Well, so not to ruin my sexual tension rating, but I did put fifteen this week. <laughs> oh okay. Well, the plot thickens. So I'm giving you a hard time about the scale, but I uh, just went off just you know, a bold five points above the scale, really, really out there. Oof. I mean, for me, the the highest amount of sexual tension that is ever achieved on the show is in the Roman soldier episode. And I honestly, I just want to quickly take a look and see what I ranked that. Like, let's, I just, <laughs> all right. I know it's for Miss Fisher season one. What episode is that? Is it like 11? Uh, the last one, isn't it? Um, or second to last one? Second. The last, yeah. It's the no, it's the last one because it's the one where Murdoch foil. Oh no, second to last one. Because yep. it's yeah, two-parter, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I put seventy-seven. <laughs> oh, okay, seventy-seven. That's, that's yeah. what I have in my notes. You know, at least that's what I have in my notes. Um, so this, well, no, I, that's a, an official reading from the sexual tension meter. So. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. You know, in order to maintain this story, it, it's going to have to be that we have different sexual tension meters and, and they give different readings, you know? Oh, right. Different. Anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, we really need to have it fleshed out the sexual tension meter details, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, my official um, sexual tension meter gave a reading of 13. <laughs> okay. So we're close. We're close. I mean, 77 on the Roman soldiers. I mean, that is smoldering. It's smoldering. It's like it's like it's about to happen. Like, like, I mean, it's so hot. It's just the look on his face, the loosened tie. It's everything. It's everything. It also like physically hurts that it doesn't happen. Now I'm going to have to look back. Yeah. Was that episode 12? Episode 12. Yeah. Okay. Wait, is that? Oh, I'm in season two. I'm like, this is all about the laundry. That's not right. Season one, episode 12. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well that... I ranked, no, I ranked it 1,000. 1,000? Okay. So here well... I am giving, giving you a hard time about giving, breaking the scale. So much for that, Fury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Well, that wraps us up. Yes, it uh, does. Yeah. Next week we're reviewing season two, episode two. Season three. Uh, season two. Right. Oh my gosh. Season three, episode two. Uh, is it murder and the murder and the Mur- maiden? Murder, murder and the maiden. Right. A good one. A good one. A frustrating one. Well, <sighs> yep. All right. Well, till then, more, listeners. More jealous, Jack, to come. So. That's true. Much more jealous than angry. Yes. All right. Till then, till two weeks from now, we'll see you again. I wish that like the listeners of our podcast had a special name like hobby ladies or something or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but that's that doesn't that's not very fun. <laughs> yeah, no, hobby that's a stupid that's a stupid one, but uh I don't know. I just I think of that and I'm like, "Oh, where are murderinos?" <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, we can move on from this. Bobbyhead. Um, yeah. Every lady needs a podcast. <laughs> that just sounds like an alternative name for the podcast. True. Well, we'll keep workshopping it. Yeah, we'll workshop that. 